Welcome in, everybody. It is your Monday edition. You've got Parker uh, right now over at the Jeff Levy Ted Roof press conference happening in Norman. He'll be here probably around 1230 today. In the meantime, coming out of the bullpen, getting more work, more innings is Connor Pasby. Hope your weekend went well. If you're a Sooner fan, you had to enjoy that. Now, Nebraska absolutely is putrid. They're not very good. I still think they have a little bit of talent on the offensive side of the football, and Oklahoma smothered them after that opening drive. But you've got to be encouraged if you're a Sooner fan. Uh, I, I know you need to tamper down expectations, maybe a little bit, because Nebraska, again, we all think, yeah, it's Nebraska. I was one of those. I, I said 38-24 Oklahoma. I thought the Huskers would give uh, the Sooners some problems. But uh, after the opening drive, it was all Oklahoma. What I like about that, what did we talk about, you know, would be a great situation for Nebraska. Sooners sputter early in the game. They get a long drive score, get the crowd into the game. Guess what happened? They did just that. That's exactly what happened. It was the perfect scenario for Nebraska to start the game. Did not matter one bit. Oklahoma could have scored 75 or 80 points had they wanted to. You had Davis Bevel coming into the game midway through the third quarter. This was complete, absolute, unequivocal domination by Oklahoma of a bad Nebraska football team. But the way it unfolded, I think, was good for Oklahoma. Road environment. Look, you go play a Pop Warner team in front of their fans and they have 88,000 or more screaming at you the whole game and you dominate like that, you still take something away from that. There's no doubt. How about this? The Sooners did not play down to the quality of the opponents, which happened time and time again in the previous regime's tenure in Norman, where the Sooners would come out, mess around, Tulane last year, Nebraska last year, Kansas last year. So many games where they just weren't up for the game, weren't ready. Uh, thought they were going to waltz in there and just dominate. Doesn't work that way. Pre- previous years, we would have a back-and-forth battle after that first drive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, a Lincoln-Riley team would have been probably in a dogfight or maybe wins that game by a couple touchdowns on Saturday. Not this team, man. Not this team. Again, the Sooners didn't play down to the quality of the opposition, which I love that. Now, there's been a lot of talk about culture for Oklahoma, and you can see that on display, man. You really can see that on display. The response, I think, was part of that culture. Dylan Gabriel's touchdown run got the Sooners back in it. From that point on, they completely dominated. You talk about sacks, tackles for losses, you know, Jaron Cannon coming in after Deshaun White got booted out of the game for targeting, and Deshaun White was playing unbelievable. This was a big-time game for the cheetah position. All of those guys in there, whether it was Deshaun White or Jaron Cannon or Justin Harrington, made plays. Again, Oklahoma has given up 30 points in their first three games. The Lions dominated both sides of the ball. Wanye Morris finally got in there, third possession. He and Tyler Guyton trading off snaps. Both played well. Clearly the best performance from the offensive line, which was the big question mark in this game. Now, again, Nebraska, you don't see Broderick Thomas or Larry Jacobson or Rich Glover or Indomitian Sioux over there. You see a bunch of average Joes. But, again, they still dominated. You have guys emerging like Jalil Farouk had a big game. Braden Willis has had a great year for Oklahoma, threw a touchdown pass. Uh, again, when Jaron Kanick had to come in the game, ends up leading the team in tackles. He whiffed on a couple of potential quarterback snacks, but Brent Venable said, you know, this guy really doesn't even know how to play linebacker yet. So you're seeing a potential 
you know, Butkus Award winner type. And they already have Danny Stutzman there, and Deshaun White's had a great year. So that looks very good. Um, plus, you get uh, Stuart Mandel looking like an idiot, too. He already he had apologized. to apologize. He already <laughs> apologized, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Uh, if you want to nitpick a little bit, I thought Dylan Gabriel was good, not great. Look, he made the play to get the Sooners' momentum back in the game with a long touchdown run. He misconnected on a couple touchdown passes. One of those was to Theo Weiss. Uh, I think if he you know, throws that screen pass better, lays it out there better for Eric Gray, he might take it to the house on that play. It was Eric Gray, wasn't it, I believe? Yes, yep, it was um, Eric Gray. So, again, he wasn't perfect. And, look, the best quarterbacks aren't going to make every single throw. But you need that throw to be on target in the Cotton Bowl against Texas. You need that throw to be on target against Baylor and Oklahoma State. And I still think Kansas State, despite that woeful showing, particularly on third or fourth down, they hit against Tulane when they lose over the weekend 17-10 to 10 to the Green Wave. Uh, Kansas State will play Oklahoma tougher. I, th- I still think they're pretty good defensively. Keep in mind, they didn't have Deuce Vaughn in the game for about a quarter because he was cramping up. Uh, Adrian Martinez, obviously they can't throw the football, uh, and they were one-dimensional in that loss to Tulane. What else for Oklahoma? Zach Schmidt, again, missed a field goal. Got to make that. Uh, so there are a few things to nitpick, but overall, again, Oklahoma could have won that game 77-7. to They really could have. I mean, it was complete domination. And I love seeing guys step up who are quiet in the first two games, like Jalen Redmond, Farouk with the touchdown pass. Jalen Redmond didn't do much in the first two games, but against Nebraska, he was all over the place and causing havoc in the backfield. So I love that from the defensive line. I thought they gave so much problems to Casey Thompson. I mean, they got Casey Thompson out of there. They thought, we don't have much of a season ahead of us, but if we do have any hopes of uh, turning this season around, we've got to keep Casey Thompson healthy. They brought uh, Cheba Purdy in there to get uh, Casey Thompson out of harm's way. So the Sooners also opened up the playbook on the offensive side and on the defensive side. We knew they were being – uh, you know, playing vanilla in the first two games against Kent State and against UTEP. And I still don't think we've seen, uh, you know, uh, nearly the playbook that they have on either side of the football. Again, I want to temper this because Nebraska is woeful, man. And their team speed on defense is – I mean, that that's not Nebraska. I mean, that is – that's really bad. And uh, you kept waiting for somebody to kind of catch Dylan Gabriel. He made a nice little cut and everything, but – Dylan Gabriel was off to the races. I didn't expect him to run. I thought he was going to step out of bounds and then just kept going. Nebraska just couldn't catch him. So there was a lot to like about the game. The Sooners scored their most ever points in Lincoln against the Huskers, 49 points. And again, like I said, they could have put 70 or 80 on on, uh, Nebraska in that game. So overall, you know, if you go into – Let's travel back in time to Saturday morning, and I tell you, you know what? Oklahoma's going to win the game 49-14. to 99.8% of you would have taken that and been super happy. So it was a good performance for Oklahoma. They'll have a stiffer test against Kansas State. K-State obviously didn't do its part, losing to Tulane over the weekend, 7 o'clock coming up this Saturday night on Fox. Let's hear from Brent Venables on the win by the Sooners in Lincoln over the weekend. after that I think they had 77 yards on that first drive and then 71 yards the rest of the half to average just under two yards of play the rest of the half so I'm glad that happened um, because I believe that 
you know, you, you develop a lot of, again, you develop an identity, you develop a mindset, you develop um, through some failure and adversity, and uh, that's how you grow and improve. And, you know, I know it'll, nobody likes that that happened uh, in a Sooner uniform uh, or coach, but um, you need that to happen. Well, and again, I, I like that scenario now, I'm sure. I, I think so many of us out there, if you're a Sooner fan, you're suffering from uh, post-Lincoln stress disorder, PLSD, uh, where you see a game like that get started like that, you're thinking it's going to be a long day. Well, not under this coaching staff. And again, Nebraska had the start it needed. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Oklahoma. You know, no points in the first drive. Nebraska gets the football. Boom, 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 boom. Touchdown. 88,000 into the game. That place was rocking. Oklahoma comes back, quiets the crowd, and dominates the rest of the football game. So you had, you had BV getting everybody's face on the sidelines after that first drive, and that just completely changed it around. And Alex Grinch defense would have had the deer-in-the-headlights look right there, and I don't know if they could have recovered. As bad as Nebraska is, I'm not sure – they could have recovered. But there is a different staff. There's a different culture here. There's no doubt. Meanwhile, what in the wide, wide world of sports happened in Manhattan, Kansas? Tulane beats the Wildcats 17-10. to Here's K-State coach Chris Kleiman. Disappointing loss, tough loss against a good Tulane team. Give uh, Coach Fritz and Tulane uh, a lot of credit. They had a really good game plan, played really well, uh, outplayed us, and uh, still had an opportunity uh, to win but uh, didn't get it done. Uh, really, the game comes down to our inability to convert on third down, going two of 15, and then uh, inability to convert on fourth down, going one of five. You know, put that on me. Don't put that on the kids. Um, the other thing is, we were, I thought, pretty tired and pretty gassed on defense, and so figuring we would be able to convert a few of those, we'd keep drives alive, and then finally find a way to punch one in. We weren't able to do that, and uh, so that's on myself and. Uh, uh, offensive staff, and uh, we had some plays out there that we thought we should have had on fourth and short and didn't get them, bottom line. We just didn't get them. And so uh, give Tulane credit. But uh, uh, good win for them. we got to bounce back. It's our first adversity we've had since in 2022. You know, 2022 started out with a bang at a bowl game. Uh, we've had nothing but, but uh, great times since then, and now we got adversity. And let's see how we respond because it's struck, and let's see how we respond. There you go. Kansas State, a 13-point underdog in Norman Saturday night. That game on Fox. And, again, we'll have all of our pregame activity and postgame activity right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, uh, Parker and his new vehicle, the White Buffalo, will be here in a little bit. He is at the uh, Ted Roof Jeff Levy media get-together happening right now. So I would guess a little after 1230. We want to thank our opening hour sponsor, the one and only Lasher Home Comfort Systems. You need AC work done right now, heating and air issues, got you down, give Tim Lasher and his great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, a call at 405-579-3113. All right. As good as it was for Oklahoma on Saturday, some bad news for the Sooners on the recruiting front this morning. We'll talk about that when we get back here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Bringing you the physical, relentless, suffocating coverage of the Sooners you deserve. This is The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Back with you. Hope your weekend was good. If you're a Sooner fan, I think you probably enjoyed it. Uh, 
quite a bit. Mike Steely, Connor Pasby with you. Parker's going to be joining us here in just a bit over at the uh, Jeff Levy Ted Roof press conference happening. Brent will meet with the media again tomorrow. Sooners get ready for Kansas State, 7 o'clock on Fox this Saturday night in Norman. What a win by Oklahoma. You can say Nebraska stinks, and they do. You'd be very accurate, but still, like I said, Oklahoma could have won that game by 75 points. I mean, if uh, if they would have, you know, think about this. Davis Bevel comes in midway about, what, nine minutes, eight minutes left in the third quarter. So, yes, anyway. that, that was <laughs> he came in really early, which was all just designed runs with Bevel. But, man, if they kept throwing and kept running their offense. <laughs> yeah, and look, they were there. Brent's a classy guy. He's he's not going to try and completely humiliate Nebraska and Miss Mickey Joseph. If uh, if they wanted to do that, that would have been easily accomplished. Anyway, you guys are killing it on the Air Comfort Solutions tax line already. We can, we can never keep up, but we're trying our best. 405-651-3439. Pay off the tees first. Jordan Renaud, defensive lineman, four-star, Tyler Legacy, Tyler, Texas, committing to Alabama this morning we had heard again it looked for a while like the Sooners were leading in that race for Jordan Renaud but Alabama made a lot of headway over the past three weeks or so he started hearing rumblings that the tide indeed had the lead for Jordan Renaud services and Jordan Renaud did commit again to Alabama this morning so Bama's number one ranked recruiting class increases its lead in the 247 uh, national rankings. And uh, Oklahoma still have has a great class put together. Now we'll see what happens. Can the Sooners land D.J. Hicks, their favorite two? Can they get to Celia Kana? Can they get Peyton Bowen to flip from Notre Dame? Can they get Ryan Yates to flip from LSU? Can they get a Conrad Hussey or somebody like that uh, at safety if they only get uh, one of those two guys? Uh, maybe they add another safety. Who knows? Oklahoma's recruiting class is already really, really good. It could be spectacular if you add to it again. Still, DJ Hicks, a Kana, a Peyton Bowen, a Ryan Yates. Uh, you land like three more of those guys, and Oklahoma has a historic recruiting class. There's no doubt. All right, from the 918, I am not sorry to see Speed D go. We have a real defense now, and it is awesome. Yeah, again, um, I like the tackling. I like they're more aggressive. Uh, fundamentally, they're you know seem to be in the right spots. It's a it's a, been a really good defense so far. That, now again, that, you're going to be tested in the Cotton Bowl. You're going to be tested against better offenses. But so far, this is really good. Really good stuff. I love the swarming to the football too. There was a play Clayton Smith could have had in the backfield, and then the running back ran all the way to the right side, and Clayton Smith came back and still made the tackle. And there's how about like four that? Other yeah. guys around him. How about, uh, how about Clayton Smith? You know, highly recruited, making some plays now. Got a chance to play, and, and Brent, you know, talked about that. It's good to get some of those guys, again, extra snaps. They may be needed down down the stretch. So, so will Deshaun White be suspended for the first half of the Kansas State game? No, he's good to go. He is good to go. Steely, if Oklahoma comes out this weekend and blows the doors off Kansas State, it will add some legitimacy to us being one of the best teams in college football. Or do we need to wait until the Red River rivalry? It will, will keep building the resume is the way I look at it. The resume so far, uh, if you want to see better defense, and you can talk about, look, it's UTEP, it's Kent State, Nebraska is so far away from old Nebraska, it's, they're not even in the same zip code. I mean, it's ridiculous. But you are seeing a lot more good fundamental stuff. 
Uh, and think about, look, Brent's got some good players now. Think about if you plug some of the players they're recruiting right now into this system, what it's going to look like. And Jaron Kanick, one of those guys, again, who ends up leading the team in tackles after Deshaun White goes out on the targeting call. By the way, again, Deshaun White will be available for the entire uh, K-State game. Had that question. Yeah, we we wouldn't have that. On. We wouldn't have that performance from Kanick if it wasn't for Deshaun White. Uh, Deshaun White kind of a blessing, kind of a blessing in disguise, right? Right. And and again, if that happens in the second half, then you've got an issue. But um, Jaron Kanick again, as Brent said, man, he's still learning how to play linebacker right now. But it for the cheetah, that was a heck of a game for the cheetah position. All those guys, Deshaun White, Kanick. Uh, Justin Harrington, they all made plays. It seemed like everybody made a play for the Oklahoma defense. Okay, uh, let's see. So, we'll do, yeah, Deshaun White is going to be available. Hot take, Oklahoma versus Kansas in the Big 12 championship game. Lance Leopold, man, this guy is coaching them up. This guy is a heck of a football coach. Uh, if I'm Nebraska, I'm looking in his direction. You know, and you've you've heard all the other names out there. Maybe Matt Rule, maybe Bill O'Brien. There was a rumor and that they'd already talked to Urban Meyer, at least, you know, touch base with him. Pete Thamel said, no, that's not the case. But Lance Leipold, man, he's coaching some football right now. After after being down fourteen to nothing to Houston and rattle off the the comeback. They both have a legitimate chance to be six and zero when they're playing each other, Mike, which is Really surprising. Kansas has Duke, Iowa State at home, and then TCU at home. Then they come to Norman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, Mark Mangino did a heck of a job there. The -the off-the-field stuff didn't sit well with the administration, and there were some problems there, obviously. But, uh, man, they are really, they are really playing some great football. 918 says the Hermanator to Nebraska, the return of Tom Herman. (laughs) Are they going to let the backup quarterback throw the ball any to get some reps uh, in case something happens to Dylan Gabriel? How many times did Davis Bevel throw it? Like three times? I he think ran he had once. two. I think he, had, he was two for two. Look, they, like I said, they, they really could have scored. I think if they'd have been, you know, uh, trying to throw the ball a little bit with, uh, with the backups in there, they probably could have scored 14 more points. But if they'd have let the starters in longer, they could have named the score. So – I think it's uh, pretty remarkable, again, that uh, Oklahoma uh, uh, really could have named the score, how many points they wanted to score against Nebraska. So Brent was, you know, holding it back. Um, you would like to see Bevel maybe get a few more opportunities to throw the football. Okay, uh, Nebraska's loss on Saturday was the first time they've lost a the game by 35-plus points since Barry Switzer in 1973. Yeah, good stat. That should be PMSD, post-mule shoe stress disorder. I said Sooner fans, uh, I wanted to change it. I put the L in there rather than the S, not to be quite as tawdry. The post-Lincoln stress disorder, because immediately, I I think because of the way the Oklahoma teams reacted in that situation under the previous staff, and I should say this, the head coach more than anything else and the defensive coordinator, you know, does a Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch team, did they take that punch and not have a dogfight? I doubt it. Now, maybe they end up winning by 10 points. Maybe they end up winning by two touchdowns. But that team didn't take a punch very well and punch back. And Oklahoma took a haymaker 
right off the bat, man, it was a standing eight count for the Sooners. And, and they, play, they came that, back and they started swinging. That stadium was going berserk for a total of five minutes, Mike, and then just completely quiet after that. No doubt. All right, uh, let's see hear from Key Lawrence. Had a pick in the game. Has played pretty well for the Sooners. Happy to have him back healthy again. Here's what Key Lawrence said uh, about the Sooners' response after Nebraska scored early. I thought we did pretty well, man. Just going understanding that something's going to get punched in the mouth, we got to punch back. So, and then we just believed in each other. We kept our poise. We kept calm, and we just got there and executed the calls. It was a big stepping ground for us, man. It just showed a lot of, a lot of character for our team. Wanted somebody else to try to take it over, and, and it's, it's quite the volume. We try to keep it down, and we can control the whole tempo. Just trying to, um, just trying to make it like it's a, it's a home game for us, and it was pretty, it was pretty cool. There you go. Yeah, it was pretty cool for Sooner fans too. All right, before we break, let me tell you about my friends over at Riverwind Casino. Always the best promotions, the best service, the best bars, the best dining. They also have a world class hotel. Right now, if you haven't been out to Riverwind lately, number one, why not? But number two, you're going to notice there's some renovations happening right now at Riverwind. So there are three new gaming areas. If you can't find your favorite electronic gaming machine, they have over 2,800. Look in the Showplace Theater. You'll find them there on the Sky Bridge and at the River Lounge. So, again, all the machines are there. They've moved them around a little bit. It's going to be even more incredible. The environment there inside Riverwind when they're done with the renovations won't be too long. Also, we'll, uh, we will have shows again down the road in the Showplace Theater, a great concert venue. But if you're looking for your favorite machines and you can't find them out there on the main floor, check the River Lounge, check the Showplace Theater, or check the Sky Bridge. Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Proud to be associated with those guys, Justin and the crew over there. They are top-notch. All right, the White Buffalo has landed, ladies and gentlemen, in the rep parking lot. It's Parker's new vehicle. We'll tell you about that, and we'll see what Parker had to say about the game over the weekend and the uh, Ted Roof-Jeff Levy press conference. We'll do that when we get back right here on a Monday. It's the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Bringing you the physical, relentless, suffocating coverage of the Sooners you deserve. This is The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. The Great White Buffalo, ladies and gentlemen, has arrived from the press conference. Jeff Levy, Ted Roof, the White Buffalo is here. It is real. It is spectacular. A new vehicle for Parker Thune. He called it the White Buffalo. We are now redubbing it the Great White Buffalo, which is Are awesome. we? Yes, because that's a really good Ted Nugent song. Okay, fair enough. So I will allow it to carry that moniker on this show. That you gotta play that. Every time you start up the vehicle, you have to play that song. That's like your uh that's like your walk up music. Right I, I mean I I'm not a big Ted Nugent guy, but Anytime we happen to be riding in a vehicle together, Steely, mm-hmm. I'll be sure to there crank it up for you. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, before I ask you about uh, Jeff Levy and Ted Roof and what they had to say, you were over there. Uh, Jordan Renaud commits to Alabama. Yeah. That's just, I mean, that's that's an honest-to-goodness loss for the Oklahoma football staff. Feels they, like the they first pursued. L they've taken in a long time, right, Parker? Well, it is. It is. And so it, I think it's easier to swallow – in that capacity because it's been so long since the Sooners legit lost out on a prospect they were pushing for. They'd been on an insane heater over the last couple of months. But, yeah, Jordan Renaud chooses Alabama over Oklahoma. Everybody was kind of left in the dark up until uh, the decision as to whether it was going to be the Crimson Tide or the Sooners. But 
Uh, he's headed to Tuscaloosa. Now the question becomes, where does Oklahoma go from here? Uh, that's been the question that everybody's been asking this morning. Okay, you don't get Jordan Renaud. Who do you replace him with along the defensive line in this recruiting class? Uh, the Sooners are obviously still in a very, very good spot for Tessie Connor. We know this to be the case. They've started pushing again for Caden McDonald. Uh, so I would think that they re-up their efforts to get him on campus for an official visit and lock him in as a Sooner. I don't think that's a battle that's going to be easily won either, but I think Caden McDonald is pretty instantly the fallback plan at that position. Uh, that said, it, and it sounds weird to say this about a top 100 national prospect like Jordan Renaud, but you can kind of afford to let him go his own way to Tuscaloosa because when you look at the defensive front right now already for Oklahoma in this class, you got Derek LeBlanc, you got P.J. Atabare, you got Colton Vosick, you're on track to get D.J. Hicks. Jordan Renaud was and is gravy. If you got him, great. If not, you know what? It's not the end of the world. Far from it. And you're still going to have an opportunity over the next month or so uh, to close on guys like D.J. Hicks and Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates and Malachi Coleman, <laughs> who after, after, after watching that game, and Malachi Coleman was there on campus for that game this past weekend, I just don't know how in good conscience a player of his caliber commits to Nebraska right now. It's a disaster, Steely. And I don't know how much y'all have already gotten into this, but my goodness, that is that is a bad Nebraska football team, Steely. It's yeah, it sad is. how bad they are. Because it that's, is. that's a blue blood program. It's a program with so much history. Those fans simply aren't used to watching such a prolonged stretch of truly atrocious football. And that's what it is. That defense could not stop a tumbleweed on that. And Saturday. they are so slow, too. So slow. By the way, though, and but think about this. Like I said, the Sooners could have won this game 84-7 to or whatever they wanted that final score to be. And then they took their foot off the gas big time, man. I mean, they were, they were on cruise control going down the Autobahn about 120 miles an hour. And then they decided to be the old lady in the left lane, you know, going below the speed limit. Because they were, they were, they well, they already embarrassed Nebraska, even at forty-nine to fourteen. But it could have been absolute humiliation if they wanted it to be. the uh, The bottom line, though, think about some of the other teams last year that came in there uh, with all those one-loss games. Who Nebraska played really well. I mean, Ohio State it really had to go work for a victory there last year. And the Sooners again, what what impressed me because what did we talk about? If Nebraska could get a good early score and get that crowd into the game and Oklahoma sputter a little bit, then it thinks could get interesting. Well, that's exactly what happened. It was the perfect script for Nebraska, but Oklahoma got off the canvas and just beat the you-know-what out of them after that. Yeah, two things here, Steely. One, we talked about it last week. Nebraska simply hadn't faced a large deficit in forever you got to go back to 2020, I believe, to find the last time they were down more than two scores. And so the natural question heading into that game on Saturday was, what happens if Oklahoma jumps out to a big lead? Well, we found out what happens. That Nebraska team folded. And I really think what broke their will, and it sounds weird to say because it was so early on, but you, you felt – a palpable shift in the momentum of that football game when Dylan Gabriel went 61 yards for a touchdown. It's weird to say because I think that in years past, an Oklahoma team would have needed a lot more 
than that 61-yard touchdown run in order to establish a huge lead the way the Sooners did. But I think that's what impressed me the most, the fact that if if the 2021 Oklahoma Sooners walk into that building and they give up a touchdown on their first possession defensively and they have to punt on their first possession offensively, that team will find a way to struggle for the remainder of the game. Now, they probably would have pulled it out because Scott Frost would have been on the other sideline. But for Oklahoma to not just respond the way they did with the 61-yard touchdown run from Gabriel, but to pour it on the way that they did, that was a statement from this football team. And I don't want to get too far out. I don't want to put the cart before the horse by any means. And I don't want to say this is a playoff team because I don't know if we can make that judgment yet, but I'll say this, and I believe this, they looked like a playoff team on Saturday because you talked about it, right? Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, all those teams that Nebraska faces year in and year out in conference play in the Big Ten, none of those teams, none of those programs, as good as they have been in recent years, have been able to just take the Huskers and skull drag them yeah, the they, way that Oklahoma did. Like you said, they broke their will. They broke their will in that football game. There is no doubt that, uh, again, Oklahoma just uh, – I think all of us were, were also dealing – maybe I should call it mom disorder – Memories of Mule Shoe. It was mom disorder because when Nebraska hit the long touchdown pass and made it look that easy, everybody's thinking, oh, no, that is not good. But again, it's a different culture. And sometimes you hear coaches say that and everybody talks about their culture and how it's the best. And, you know, they've got their certain lines that they use about their culture. But you really saw it on display. Again, I think on on uh, Saturday. As bad as Nebraska is, again, Oklahoma made them pretty much submit. It, it was like they were in they were in a UFC fight and in a chokehold and Nebraska just tapped out pretty much, right? Uh, how many points do you think uh, Oklahoma could have scored if they really wanted to sco- keep playing that game? Oh, I mean, if you leave the starters in for all 60 minutes, they easily would have hung 70 on the board, yeah, maybe 80. No doubt. Yeah, there were some people... <laughs> Mayor David Holt was out for blood, man. He was running up, running up. Memories of some of the beatings that Oklahoma took in the Blake Schnellenberger era. But Brenna Venables, I don't think, is is that kind of guy. All right, from the 918s, Coleman is not committing to OU. Okay, well, guess we've been scooped on that one. From the uh, 405, isn't a Nissan Rogue kind of a soccer mom car? Shut up! <laughs> it's the great white buffalo it's not a nissan rogue exactly if it's called the white buffalo it's obviously not a soccer mom car that's right this car has style this car is well it's, it's badass is what it is no doubt no doubt about it okay so uh what do you make of the 918 telling you the man who covers recruiting that coleman is not committing to ou does he have inside sources in the 918 i mean i don't know what kind of sources he has but I'll say this right now, Oklahoma is in line to get a commitment from Malachi Coleman if this recruitment maintains its current trajectory. And I've said this for a couple weeks now, right? Oklahoma now leads. Does that mean they get him? Not necessarily. 
things can still go sideways. And I think the one thing you worry about in that kid's recruitment is what happens when Nebraska hires their new head coach. Because right? there is always new coach buzz. Mm-hmm. And would they keep the- Mickey Joseph? Because who knows? I mean, would you keep, if you're a coach, knowing that you could get Malachi Coleman? Look, he's one guy who's going to play tight end wide receiver for you. And he's yep. a special talent. But, you know, do, if you're the new coach coming in, do you think, well, you know, we get Malachi Coleman if I keep Mickey Joseph? Or are you so in line with trying to bring your guys in, as most coaches are, you know? Well, Damian Washington's done a nice job for OU, but maybe they can make Mickey Joseph a consultant (laughs) after he gets fired. I think Mickey Joseph is a good enough coach, and I think he is entrenched enough within the Nebraska program and has enough clout that he's going to be able to stick around and it's not going to be contingent on the recruitment of Malachi Coleman. I don't think the next head coach, unless whoever the next head coach is, unless he really, really has somebody lined up to be his wide receivers coach that he's confident is an upgrade over Mickey Joseph, I don't think he's going to keep Mickey Joseph on because he's going to look at it and say, okay, we, we can get Malachi Coleman if we hang on to this guy. He's going to look at it and say, no, Mickey Joseph is really good at what he does. And this is a guy that needs to be a cornerstone of this coaching staff. Yeah. I'm laughing at the uh, the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Every time Steely mentions the score could have been worse, it gets progressively higher. <laughs> We're going to score 90. It's going to be 142-3. to three. Well, they already had seven. It'll be 142-7. to seven In the uh, next hour. Somebody else from the 918 says, from the 918, Malachi Coleman is committing to Oklahoma. Now what? Source wars up in Tulsa. <laughs> uh, hey, guys, did Nebraska fire their defensive coordinator after the game Saturday? Yep. Yes, they yep. did. And that was inevitable because he was a crony of Scott Frost. So he was gone by season's end at the absolute latest. But, man, witnessing that defensive performance on the heels of the defensive performance that Nebraska turned in against Georgia Southern, yeah, Eric Shenander was <laughs> – he was cooked. I bet that they were going to score in the Gavin Freeman play if Davis Bevel, if they had been able to handle that ball. That's Oklahoma's first turnover of the year. And keep in mind, uh, the first-team offense, no turnovers. Now, did Dylan Gabriel miss a couple of throws? Yes, absolutely. Like I said, that that pass to Theo Weiss, he's, that's six. you got to make that throw in the cotton ball. Yeah. Right? Uh, he, you know, he missed Jalil Farouk on one that would have been a touchdown. And and I think he could have placed the ball better for Eric Gray on that screen pass. And he had nothing but AstroTurf in front of him with one block. But Dylan Gabriel, again, has played pretty solid football. No turnover. Hasn't turned it over one time. No turnover. That's it. You will gladly take, I would think, and I don't want to speak for the entire fan base here, but I would think that most rational fans would take a missed throw every now and again over a bunch of turnovers and Dylan Gabriel hasn't turned the ball over. Uh, one listener asks, how does the acquisition of the great white Buffalo affect OU recruiting <laughs> stick around in the two o'clock hour? Tyler McComas and I will cover all of that. Uh, so good. Somebody asked who's going to teach Parker about Cruz and AC <laughs> and all the new buttons and features in the white Buffalo, the great white Buffalo, the new vehicle, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the last two times, Mickey Joseph has faced Oklahoma. It hasn't gone well. <laughs> Another 918 listener chimed in and said, from the 918, my sources tell me Coleman's <laughs> heading to A&M. Come at me, bro. Uh, was Mickey Joseph on that LSU staff in the Peach Bowl? 
Yeah, I think he was. I think he was. Wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that that went well for him. But yeah, you're talking about the broken leg in yesterday. And in a more prominent role as a starting quarterback and an interim head coach, yes. All right, we got a break right here. Appreciate you guys. We're trying. We are trying to keep up with all of your texts. Air Comfort Solutions, appreciate it. Because they keep rolling in. 405-651-3439. Coming right back here on the Home of Sooner. Just watching Coach Vance Joseph from here. You watch him now on the screen. This diversity in his background is helping him a lot tonight. Quarterback at Colorado. Defensive back in the NFL. And here he is. Having the time of his life. I'm sorry, Steely, I had to do it because every time I think about Mickey Joseph, oh, I think about man. the fact that his brother is Vance Joseph, That's and then right. I think about Sergio Dip. Sergio Dip. And by the way, nice, nice day for Vance Joseph yesterday, led by the incredible Kyler Murray comeback, and then they get the scoop and score to win the game in overtime. That was it was an amazing day, really, yesterday in the NFL with the Dolphins coming back against the Ravens. Uh, that was incredible. You had uh, what the Jets did against Cleveland, which I found very enjoyable. And, of course, Arizona beating the Raiders. I know Plank didn't like it, but it was a fantastic finish. And uh, Kyler Murray trying his best to save Cliff Kingsbury's job. Because if they lose that game, uh, the Arizona Cardinals lose that game. You start out 0-2, and they have the Rams at home coming up this weekend. So that was, a, that was a big clutch victory for Arizona. Was that not – I mean, Kyler Murray is – at times he looks like that video game player, like the unstoppable player in Tech Mobile, you know, back in the day. Or like when you create a player on Madden and push yeah, all the sliders yeah. to 99. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, a two-point conversion where he hung in the pocket for literally like 20 seconds. What a fantastic throw that, that was. was. That was the longest play, like the longest non-lateral end-of-game scenario type play I've ever watched. I love the new afro, too, man. It's a good look. It's oh, a, does he have an afro he now? Does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely he does. Okay, um, anything said today that was somewhat significant, or can you kind of fill us in on what Ted Roof, Jeff Levy had to say today? Eh, it was mostly boilerplate stuff, uh, looking ahead to Kansas State. Uh, talking about some of the guys' individual performances this past week. One thing Jeff Levy said that I want to highlight, and I tweeted it out, but uh, Jeff Levy was asked about Dylan Gabriel's 61-yard touchdown run, and he said, yeah, it was a nice run by Gabriel, but he also noted, hey, watch Jalil Farouk on that play. Watch Braden Willis on that play. That's championship effort that those two were giving down the field to help clear the path for Gabriel. And by the way, Nebraska's defense just seemed to give up on that play. It's almost like they expected Gabriel to run out of bounds at some point. And Gabriel just kept rumbling, man. And when he crossed the first down marker, I was standing there on the sideline watching it all unfold through my camera lens, right? And he crossed the first down marker. I'm like, all right, it's a first down. And he crosses midfield. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a big gainer. And he crosses about the 30-yard line. Like, oh, he might he might get all the way to the red zone. He's gonna He could set him up with first and goal. Then he breaks that final tackle. It's like, yeah. oh, he's, a, he's about to house call this thing. <laughs> yes, if you had Dylan Gabriel with a 60-yard-plus touchdown run on your bingo card over the weekend, you you won big. So, By the way, uh, I this is how I know my parents are officially old. Uh, they get a newspaper now. Uh, and you have about a decade on my parents, which speaks to how old you are, Steely. But, really old. Uh, yes, my parents uh, have a newspaper delivered these days. And... Tom Chattel, who's an outstanding columnist up in yeah, Omaha for the Omaha World Herald, 
Um, been there forever. Yes, been there forever. Uh, his his column today <laughs> featured these words, and my dad just sent me a picture uh, of his opening remarks because it very much tracks with what you were saying. Oklahoma coach Brent Venables could have named his final margin of victory. Yeah, I mean, it really could. Um, you know, and like I said, Davis Bevel, it was what, about nine minutes, eight and a half minutes left, pretty much about midway through the third quarter when Davis Bevel came in there. And they still were running vanilla offense then. You know, Davis Bevel threw what, two passes? Now they ran, uh, they did, like I said, that Gavin Freeman play, they were running that and they mishandled the ball. And that's Oklahoma's only. Uh, turnover of the season. Like I said, the uh, first-team offense doesn't have a turnover. So, Dylan Gabriel, no picks. Spencer Rattler, by the way, in the year, two touchdowns, five interceptions. It's gone downhill fast for him in South Carolina. And I'll be the first to admit, I didn't see that coming. Granted, he had to face Georgia this past Saturday. And that Georgia defense is outstanding. But I really thought Rattler was going to have a bounce back here. It's not too late, but... Early warning signals are very loud at this point as far as Spencer Rattler's tenures at Gamecock. It has not been encouraging what we have seen on the football field from him. No, it hasn't. And you got uh, some bozo asked Shane Beamer, did you see any quit in the locker room and over again? You know, and Shane Beamer's like, <laughs> dude, get out of here, basically. We'll play the clip next hour. But Shane Beamer's such a, a nice dude. And for him, that was a very angry Shane Beamer. And that question is... I mean, when you ask that question, particularly with somebody at the podium, I mean, they're not. What are they going to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was so much quit in that locker room; it was unbelievable. Yeah. Let me come on. Okay. Thank you to our friends at Lasher Home Comfort Systems, family-owned and operated, servicing the Greater Oklahoma City area now for 15 years. You need AC work done? Give them a call at 405. 405- 579-3113. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon. Another hour to go. More Sooner football conversation on the way. Keep it here. Welcome in, hour number two. I am the man of steel, along with the driver of the Great White Buffalo, Parker Thune, his brand new vehicle. And ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the greatest vehicles we've ever seen. This is basically what David Hasselhoff had in Knight Rider. It is real, it is spectacular, and it has retired the Ford Taurus, who was put out to pasture just like Scott Frost last Sunday. Well, I don't know about put out to pasture. Car still drives. So you're going to sell it to pull apart. (laughs) I don't know what will end up happening with it. That's in my father's hands at this point. But, I mean, the car still runs. The thing is, it just leaks coolant from the cylinder heads, so you got to refill the coolant reservoir like every 500 miles. Yeah, well, that's an issue. Yes, it is. 
Cylinder heads, what? What? What are those? We don't need to get into Part this. Part of the we've, engine? We've, we've, already, we've already established that you are by no means a car guru. And I'm not going to try to explain it because as much as you are not a car guru, I am not much more of one. If there is a hell, ladies and gentlemen, and it's real, my job, there will be a shop for everybody in their automobile down there that says Mike Steely's Auto Repair. Because your car will never, ever get repaired. Ever. That's what happens if don't go to that unfortunate place and have to deal with Mike Steely's auto repair. Of course, that would mean I'm there with you, and maybe I just need to become a nicer human and not be so still eaten up with mule shoe out at SC. Probably need to turn that around. But I was getting angry the other night, too. I, I went to bed at halftime because I thought, I can't take this. This is too – USC's offense is good. We knew they were going to be good. But I kind of feel like Mule Shoe is the guy who's pretty smart in college, you know. He's not an absolute genius like some people might make him out to be. But he's also got his daddy's credit cards. That guy. Because Mule Shoe ends up with everybody's best players somehow. Whether it's – you know, Baker or Kyler Murray or now he's got Jordan Addison, you know. It's like Travis Dye, who's playing great, too. Now, their defense, again, is not – it's not that good. I mean, it's, it's Alex Grinch and the USC defense. So, But I still get angry. I need to stop. I saw Clark Stroud over there on the sidelines, and I'm like, there's that attention-seeking clown right there, too. Get him off my television. SC, Oregon State, Corvallis, 8.30, coming up this weekend. Oregon State, 3-0. I was looking at that as a potential upset. SC's a seven-point favorite. Oregon State's one of those football programs that you just forget exists. Right, when you're thinking about the Pac-12, I bet if if I asked you to name all 12 teams in the Pac-12, Oregon State would be the last one that you name. Probably, right? yeah, yeah. But they, they've gotten pretty decent at football. And Jonathan Smith is starting to get his name thrown around as a potential head coaching hire at some of those big-time jobs, which, of course, uh, Herm Edwards is done at Arizona State after four-plus mm-hmm. seasons. So there's a vacancy, although that is, oof. That's arguably just as bad as the Tennessee job looked when Josh Heupel took it a year ago. So, again, you can dig yourself out of a hole like that if you're the right guy and you got the right vision. But I don't know that most any trendy up-and-coming coach is going to be all too eager to jump (laughs) on at Arizona State. But as far as that USC-Oregon State matchup goes, I think it was, what was it, 2009? And this is going back a long time. But... I think it was 2009 where USC went down to an unranked Oregon State team. USC at the time was a top five team nationally. And they were something like 30-point favorites. And Mm -hmm. Oregon State knocked them off. That's honestly probably the last meaningful win that Oregon State has had as a football program. Now, I'm trying to think, uh, when you think of Oregon State, they had uh, Chad Johnson was there, right? Ocho Cinco, when he had an Oregon State guy. Steven That's Jackson, right. the running back. You had Derek Anderson, who was a quarterback. Did Terry Baker, was he from Oregon? Was he the Heisman? Didn't did they have a Heisman winner? It's I'm trying to think of Terry Baker 
was an Oregon State guy. I'd have to go ahead and Google it up. By the way, my lovely wife, Shay, chiming in. She's obviously listening. And she texted me, Parker, do not take car advice from Steely. Yeah, no, trust me. You didn't need yeah. to tell me that. I we love were, how my we wife calls page. me Steely. <laughs> <laughs> do not take car advice from Steely. Oh, man. I Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Steely. We do have to reckon with the fact that USC might win a lot of games this season at this They're rate. going to. I was saying they're going to be at least 9-3, and three, and now we know Notre Dame, they were fortunate again to win over the weekend. Uh, is there anybody on that schedule that looks difficult? No, no, there's really not. Utah? Utah. I mean, I mean they have to go on the road, but I don't know. Caleb Williams looks really good. And we all knew he was really good. Oh, yeah. But I mean, he has been spectacular. Well, and all they did was they went out and get maybe the most talented quarterback besides Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. He's right there in their ballpark. And then they got the Bolitnikoff. You know, like I said, Muleshoe is the is the uh, the rich college kid who gets the daddy's credit cards, too. You know, it's amazing. You could say, well, he went out there. But I get it. I wish Pat Narduzzi would find him and slug him. Not that I advocate violence, even though I just did advocate violence, but it just makes me angry. It's I, I've got to see them somehow fall apart. The problem is they're going to be they're going to be good offensively. The question is, can they ever get better defensively? And we do not know. Caleb Williams, by the way, on the year, I was talking about Spencer Rattler, eight touchdowns, no picks. Two rushing touchdowns also, both against Fresno State over the weekend. How does just Gus Johnson's illness affect recruiting? That was a weird deal. Yeah, did ne- Joel Klatt end up doing play-by-play? Yes, Joel, it was Joel Klatt solo. Joel Klatt acapella. No, they, you know, and then all of a sudden they brought Brady Quinn up there and they brought Urban Meyer up there for a while. But I don't know what – I mean, when you think about – I mean, Gus Johnson, I didn't uh, – maybe he was just feeling uh, dizzy. Maybe he had another issue. And uh, an issue that – A, a think, Lamar Jackson <laughs> situation? Yeah. Well, and it's like with uh, – but that I've never seen that before, where a guy just had to, uh, you know, um, is this the OU show or the USC show? Shut up. <laughs> um, so anyway, I love people like that. You talk about something else for 90 seconds. So it, that's what I was thinking, 817. 817, that Gus had maybe a stomach issue, but people who were there at the game said they saw him, like, sitting outside the booth in a chair, and he was talking to, like, get some people there with Fox, right? But all of a sudden, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's what I was thinking because that's the one time that you can't do your job if you've got that situation going on. But his voice sounded fine and everything else, right? Toby said he had a bad reaction to a spider bite. Really? Now, wait a minute. I don't know. Am I being hustled here? Because I'm just <laughs> dumb enough to fall for this. Do you guys? I did, not, I did not hear that. Really? Gus okay. got bit no, by a spider saying that. and I was not in seen the that. hospital. Wow. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah, I know. Now everybody is saying that on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at the exact same time. So that that has to be factual. Yeah. Either that or Toby is the most effective spreader of misinformation in this entire state, which I've known Toby long enough to know that that's in all likelihood not the case. But what what kind of spider did he get bit by in Nebraska? I don't know. That's the thing about Nebraska, man. Like, there's no dangerous wildlife in that state. I've seen maybe two snakes ever in the state of Nebraska. Who had him with the uh, Who had him with the the runs? Was that you or me? That was you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was me. No, no, no it was. I think it was me. Okay, I didn't know. Okay, uh, Drake. The Drake is checking in. The spider bite was said by Toby, but I think it happened earlier in the year, and it hospitalized him. Oh, okay. So it happened earlier in the year as opposed to Friday. I don't know. I'm lost at this point. I just we'll keep the Lamar Jackson theory intact. Could be. Well, Deuce Vaughn missed a quarter of the nearly a quarter of the game against Tulane over the weekend. They were saying he was dehydrated and had cramps. But, uh, you know, that that was an issue. How about Kansas State going three of 20 on third and fourth down? You know what that means? Adrian Martinez cannot throw the football. The Drake is also saying, don't believe the spider bite was a factor Saturday, from my understanding. So the Drake is adding to the story. So there you go. Somebody, All right. Somebody said on the text line, I've heard there are alligators in Nebraska, much like in Ufala Lake. <laughs> if, there, if there were ever alligators in Nebraska, the National Guard would have to be deployed. Because we simply cannot have an infiltration of alligators in my home state. What's the most dangerous creature in Nebraska? Uh, Scott Frost is no longer around, so it's going to be something else, right? The most dangerous creature. It used creature to be in Dominican Sioux, of course, yes. back in the day. That's the thing. Like, I, when I was growing up, there were, there's no dangerous wildlife in that state. Maybe in the West, like when you get to the Sand Hills, maybe there's rattlesnakes and stuff. I don't know. But in Omaha, Nebraska, there is no dangerous wildlife of any hmm. kind. Well, maybe something escaped from the zoo there. They've got a big-time zoo in Omaha. Yes, they do. Could be. Maybe that spider escaped from the zoo. Maybe they have a spider exhibit going on. When I was maybe four or five. Why couldn't mule shoe was... be bit by a spider? <laughs> Again, no fatality, <laughs> but a long stay in the hospital would be fine with me. You know, a couple months or something. When, when I was maybe four or five, there was a mountain lion that somehow made its way into Omaha and was roaming around. But... They very quickly caught we, up with We that. had a bear in Norman in the city limits. What has that been, like a year and a half ago? They had to shoot down from up in a tree. So you never know when the urban environment can turn dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, not sure where Drake got his info. Toby said that Gus spent Friday night before the game in the hospital in Lincoln. Oh, okay. Well, the Drake is right there in the booth with Toby. So we're going to have to question Drake interrogate him in the interrogation room during the break and find out what he knows, when he knew it, and how he knew it. You want to be the good cop or the bad cop? I'll be the bad cop. Okay. All right. All right. Take a break right here. Hour number two brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72. Great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. Great selection of used cars. They're going to give you more for your trade-in and the great guarantee Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Coming right back here on the home of Sooner fans.
Welcome back. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Mike Seeley, Parker Thune with you. Hour number two, Steelman and Thune at noon. Well, afternoon now here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Here is a uh, part, part of the uh, transcript from Drake's uh, deposition. Uh, he just had with uh, Harvey Specter and Mike Ross in the uh, conference room. Unless Toby got more info post game when I was breaking everything else down, he wasn't sure the spider bite happened this weekend. He speculated off the air if it happened Friday or not when Nebraska's play by play mentioned it to him, but wasn't sure if it was a factor or not by the time I left. That's from. Drake Dykins' deposition in the conference room moments ago. Do you think uh, Drake is – he wouldn't perjure himself, would he? Not the Drake. I think Drake is an honest enough character. Yeah, I don't think Drake would perjure himself. I'll take himself. his word for it. I would probably be the lo- most likely person to perjure himself in a deposition here. Everybody else is pretty trustworthy, I think. Myself, not so much. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Gus fainted when he found out Parker finally got a new car. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, the, the news of the Great White Buffalo broke uh, right before the game. Maybe it finally got to him. Liberals are the most dangerous creatures in Nebraska. Says one listener. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, another says, Jaron Canick was the most dangerous animal in Nebraska. How Saturday. about Jaron Canick, man? <laughs> that we we good. knew that he had natural ability to come in. Like I said, Parker, it was a great day. I mean, it was a great day pretty much all around. Um, you know, if you want to nitpick a couple things, Dylan Gabriel had a couple bad throws on otherwise a really good day. But again, you got to make those throws in the Cotton Bowl. And even the best quarterbacks are not going to make every throw. It happens. Um, Andrew Rame got to be a little bit better snapping the football, but the offensive line as a whole played his best game of the year. So, uh, again, it was, it was a good, solid all-around performance. But what about, what about the cheetah position? Because Deshaun White was playing out of his mind. Cannon comes in. He's playing great. When um, Justin Harrington's playing well, he's playing very, very well, too. So that, it was just a really good day all around. And you got like Jalil Farouk involved. You got Theo Weiss involved. Braden Willis throws a touchdown pass. Braden Willis, I know he had one drop, but he's had a spectacular uh, year at Oklahoma. And man, the Sooners are lucky that he came back because he's playing his butt off, having a great year. What was the guy saying about the a list of dislikes for Saturday? Oh yes, his list of dislikes. Okay. This comes from a listener in the nine one eight. One, Nebraska's overall lack of talent and effort. Yeah, that was disappointing. I I was hoping for a good game on Saturday, Steely. I was, and we just didn't get one. Now, I will say for the first five minutes, I don't know that I've been in a more electric environment in a non-neutral field. It, yeah, I could. it was coming through the TV, man. That place was energized. But, yeah, and the second half, I'm looking at my phone a lot, you know, kind of watching the watching the game and looking at my phone. He's like a teenager, 60-year-old teenager. Uh, number two on the list of dislikes, Marvin Mims, black cleats with white socks. What is that vomiting emoji? I don't care if Marvin Mims is wearing flip-flops. He's Marvin Mims great, can wear man. clown shoes for all That's I care. That's right. And how about the Sooners again returning punts, returning kickoffs, uh, 
they're going that's to have amazing. a return touchdown. At that's some amazing, point right? Marvin Mims had a couple of really good returns again uh, over the weekend. Marvin Mims is going to break a punt one of these days. Billy Bowman's going to break a kick return one of these days. Mm-hmm. The Sooners are going to have a return touchdown at some point this year. It'll happen. Number three was the missed field goal. Yeah, Zach Schmidt pushed that one, I guess. Yeah, missed it wide right. Not by much. It wasn't a bad miss. It was the Maxwell was just... Smart miss. Missed it by that much. Sorry. I'm not I, older reference lost on younger listeners. Yeah, I'd, I'm not too worried about Zach Schmidt. He seems to be striking the ball well for the most part. Just one of those things where, and I, I, I forget who mentioned. I think Brent Venables actually was the one that addressed him post game. He said, I "Think he just might have grounded his foot before he kicked the ball, and that's why it ended up uh, a little bit wide to the right." But you know. When your offense scores seven touchdowns, you can afford to miss mm-hmm. a field goal. True. Uh, also, number four, Gus Johnson, uh, no showing the second half, spider bite or not. Hope he's okay, though. Thank you, gentlemen. You're welcome. All right. Did Malachi Coleman set an official visit? If not, does he plan to visit Oklahoma? Still up in the air. I couldn't tell you why, but, well, I can tell you why. Uh, essentially the Oklahoma staff right now is slowing down Malachi Coleman. He wants to take an official visit. He does. If it were up to Malachi Coleman, he would have an official visit to Oklahoma booked for some time in October. But the Oklahoma staff is tight on numbers when it comes to doling out official visits. So basically, they want Malachi Coleman to be ready to commit when he shows up on campus. Not necessarily saying that he needs to push ahead his October 22nd commitment date and just lock it in with OU while he's on the official visit, but indicating that, uh, hey, this needs to be a done deal before you take the OV. I'm not sure how much that has evolved. Uh, I'm not sure how much that line of thinking on the Oklahoma end has changed since Saturday because I think on Saturday it became abundantly clear to everybody Uh, the chasm between the state of the Oklahoma football program right now and the state of the Nebraska football program. So maybe now that Nebraska appears to be a less viable option for somebody that has been so open and outgoing about the fact that uh, he wants to win at the next level, maybe Oklahoma just moves to get him on an official visit and lock this thing up because I do think they could do that if they got him on campus. OU leads for the kid right now, 100%. Uh, not according to anonymous nine one eight guy. Who's yeah, anonymous nine one eight guy does not agree. But no, I promise you, Oklahoma leads for Malachi Coleman right now. Uh, the question is going to be, and it, it kind of exactly what I said last week, right? If you see Malachi Coleman schedule an official visit to Oklahoma, if that OV hits the calendar, and we get a date, it's a pretty safe bet that he is going to be in Oklahoma sooner. At that point. There you go. And guess what? Uh, some of these prognostications miss on uh, because it looked like, what, three, four weeks ago that Jordan Renan was going to be coming to Oklahoma. Guess what? Things can change. Yeah, again, you saw the whole industry divided all the way up until the decision as to whether it was going to be Alabama or Oklahoma because there was confidence from both sides. He would told both sides what they wanted to hear, in essence, and – Nobody was 100% sure where he was going to end up when he made the decision this Monday morning. 
And so it is what it is. As we mentioned several times over the course of Renaud's recruitment, or at least once he narrowed his field to Alabama and Oklahoma, when you're going head-to-head with Nick Saban, he can never take it to the bank. And Oklahoma did look like the landing spot for Jordan Renaud for a minute. It looked like that was going to be the place, the destination. But in the end, Nick Saban wins. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, you know what? Uh, if you're in the ring with Ali, guess what? Ali's going to win his fair share. And that's basically what Nick Saban is right now. So, again, uh, things were looking good for Oklahoma. Things changed. Alabama uh, did a good job down the stretch, and they got the commitment from uh, Jordan Renaud early this morning. Uh, Steely, instead of bringing up the insignificant, why not talk about this team's ability to suck the life out of Nebraska? And again, I did like, talk about that like for 45 minutes. I literally said they took their soul and took the life out of Nebraska. I literally said. And you credit them that. for that because nobody had been able to do that in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We talked about, again, one of the games they didn't lose by a single touchdown was that Ohio State game, and that was like a nine-point spread, I believe, last year in Lincoln. And think about the players Ohio State has. Now, they weren't very good defensively last year, but still, best receiving core in the country, C.J. Stroud at quarterback, always have good running backs. Yes, I. Uh, again, they, they literally broke their spirit in that game. Literally broke Nebraska. And we talked about that in the first hour a couple times. And again, it's kind of a paradox because if you watch that game, you could tell Nebraska was a bad football team, right? But it left you kind of unsure as to whether Nebraska was truly that bad or whether Oklahoma just played that well. Mm -hmm. Because, again, for as bad as they looked on Saturday, nobody had drubbed that team. The way Oklahoma did in forever. I still don't think Nebraska is a horrible offensive team. I still think they're decent offensively. Yeah, offensively they're pretty good. You know, uh, I still think they got Casey Thompson out of there because they wanted to keep him healthy. I mean, (laughs) Oklahoma, you know, what they're doing right now, sacks, tackles for loss, they are absolutely, absolutely, you know, Right up there with anybody in the country. All right, we're going to take a quick break right here. Air Coverage Solutions text line still blowing up, 405-651-3439. The latest on DJ Hicks, Texas A&M, Peyton Bowen, what's going on there? And again, Jordan Renaud committed to Alabama this morning. We'll update all of that when we get back. We are back, Mike Steele, Parker Thune, on this Monday edition, right here on the home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network, Riverwind Casino, great promotions, great service, great dining, great bars. They've got a tremendous hotel. They always have the best promotions. And I want to tell you, if you haven't been over there in, uh, in just a little bit, they've got some renovations happening right now. If you look for your favorite electronic gaming machine, they have over 2,800 over there. And you can't find it. There are three new gaming areas in the Showplace Theater. 
on the Skybridge. Skybridge Gaming right now is happening as well. And at the River Lounge. All those machines are still there. They've just moved some around because of the renovations happening right now at Riverwind. Yeah, we've got gaming machines in the Showplace Theater. It won't be too long before we get those great concerts back at the Showplace Theater. But for now, they're working on some renovations. They still have the best promotions. Again, the best dining, best bars, uh, best service. Riverwind, again, if you've never stayed in the hotel, it is unbelievable. Nothing but rave reviews. But the people at Riverwind make Riverwind the best. And right now, again, they are reshuffling things around a little bit. But you can still find your favorite electronic gaming machine there. Like I said, Showplace Theater, River Lounge, and in the Skybridge, where some of the gaming machines are located right now. At Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right. Uh, DJ Hicks, Peyton Bowen, update. What's going on with A&M, the visits and everything? What do we know, Parker? I yeah. know you were in Lincoln, but do you have any update? <laughs> uh, the text line says, sounds like the Hicks and Bowen hype to OU has taken a hit. Has it? I mean, they visited Texas A&M. David Hicks said a nice thing about Texas A&M in an interview. That does not mean that the Peyton Bowen and David Hicks hype to OU has taken a hit at all. I still believe that those two will be Sooners, and I'm I'm more confident in DJ Hicks in that regard than Peyton Bowen as of right now. That's why you see a crystal ball prediction in from myself, Steve Wilfong, Brandon Drum, all uh, in favor of OU for DJ Hicks. But those two, well, I don't, I I I shouldn't get too far ahead of myself because I don't know this about DJ Hicks yet. But I can tell you that. The expectation is that Peyton Bowen will be back in Norman this weekend. So, that Texas A&M visit last Saturday, which was a terrible football game, by the way. Did you watch that A&M-Miami game? No, I didn't. I it's was like, kind of paying attention to it, but yeah, I heard it was pretty pretty. Nobody bad. won that game. Miami just lost it. That's what happened. Uh, but he's going to sandwich that A&M visit between two Oklahoma visits. So again, if you're following the visits... Yeah, Peyton Bowen has been a regular at A&M, but he's been far more of a regular in Norman, Oklahoma. And with his best friend Jackson Arnold committed to the Sooners, maybe, just maybe, this is the weekend where we finally see Peyton Bowen decommit from Notre Dame because that's, look, that's a formality. That'll happen. He's not going to sign with Notre Dame. That has become a disaster up in South Bend yeah, it very has. quickly. And they barely survived Cal this past weekend to get their first win of the Marcus Freeman era. But he's going to decommit from Notre Dame. That's going to happen at some point. The question is, is it going to be OU or A&M that becomes the destination? Right now, I still favor Oklahoma. And A&M's in it. They're a player, sure. But Oklahoma has a lot of advantages in this race, one being the Jackson Arnold connection, another being that uh, they made a very strong impression on his mom when he and his brother Eli and his mother were all up for the Oklahoma Kent State game on September 10th. And also, of course, you have the fact that Eli himself is very, very high on Oklahoma. So if you consider, if you take all those factors into account, there's really only one reason why Peyton Bowen would choose to go to Texas A&M. I don't think I need to tell anybody what that reason is, right? Can you We're play the, the Pink Floyd there? song? Can you play boom, 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 boom? Yeah, we, I think we know. Uh, okay, so, again, Jordan Renaud 
committing to Alabama this morning. So that's a loss. It's the first L the Sooners have taken in a long time on these matchups. We thought Anthony Evans might be one, but the Converse Judson wide receiver again, last minute again, said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to Oklahoma, going to Oklahoma. Okay, so tell me about, because Jordan Renat is out, you still have DJ Hicks. Uh, you know, a lot of people think this is going to wind up at Oklahoma. Tassilia Kana uh, could wind up at Oklahoma still. You mentioned Caden McDonald, the kid from Georgia, right? Isn't he from the state of Georgia? Could be a fallback option for Oklahoma. Is that right? Yes, that is. And he has a lot of connections to Oklahoma as well, to Ted Roof, to Brandon Hall, uh, to Jackson Arnold. Those two played together when they were real, real young because Jackson Arnold uh, is originally from the state of Georgia. First time Jackson Arnold ever called me on the phone, it came up as a random Georgia number. And I was like, who on earth is calling me from Savannah, Georgia? Picked up the, or uh, like Greensboro, Georgia, something like that. I don't remember exactly what town, but <laughs> answered the phone. Like, yeah, this is Parker. He's like, hey, this is Jackson. I'm like, oh, oh, Jackson Arnold. Okay, okay. that This all makes sense now. Yeah, I didn't realize that until it may have been your interview with him. Uh, when I was looking through, you know, trying to get some sound uh, when he had officially committed to Oklahoma that he was originally from Georgia. I go, what? what? Okay. All right. Uh, having a great year for Denton Geyer, though. There's no doubt about that. All right. Uh, did we see the 303's text? Did we get to that one? The 303. Oh, yes. Here we go. Steely and Parker. More likes from the game. Liked our Reggie Bush with his USC loyalty. And Urban Meyer, hating Oklahoma, both picking Nebraska to win the game, being wrong. Also, early third quarter remark being made that fans were leaving. I'll tell you, fans started leaving the second Braden Willis threw that touchdown pass to Marcus Major. That was the point at which the exodus began. That was it, huh? Yes. Uh, And this listener also adds, best of all, TV showing the pride of Oklahoma and fans celebrating. Loved it. It, it was uh, it was a sooner party in Lincoln, no doubt about it. It was uh, everybody that went there that I saw on Twitter and, and know said it was a great experience, great environment. Nebraska fans were great, gracious as usual, but it was a statement win for Oklahoma. Um, man, what about K-State, though? Like I said, they were 3 of 20 on third and fourth down. Deuce Vaughn was cramping up, had to run back, get him to the locker room a couple times. He missed nearly a quarter of football. Uh, And we saw, you know, what Tulane's all about last year, that quarterback Pratt's not a bad player. But And this certainly, I know a lot of the people who bet the games are saying this is a great spot for Tulane to make this an interesting game. Not only did they do that, they won the game. So uh, what kind of challenge do you think, Parker, that Oklahoma's going to get from K-State Saturday night? It's hard to say, Steely, because Kansas State is always – well, I go back to Forrest Gump on this one. Kansas State is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Because the last time they came to Norman, in case anyone's forgotten, they were fresh off a loss to Arkansas State. That's right, in the season opener, yeah. And they knocked off Oklahoma. Rallied from a 21-point deficit to stun the Sooners on their home field. That was the weekend that they lost Arkansas State, and didn't Iowa State lose to Louisiana yes. that weekend, too? Yes. It was a crazy start. And uh, Oklahoma had, what, two 21-point leads in that game against K-State? Yes. 
two, and then and then they mule they shoot it finished. away. They mule shoot it away. Yes, indeed. So, I you'd like to say that on the heels of that abysmal performance at home against Tulane on Saturday, Kansas State's going to show up and take a beating. But do we know that for a fact? I like Chris Kleiman as a coach. I like Kansas State's makeup, especially on defense. Man, I think that's a talented football team. I don't know what in the world happened on Saturday. I didn't get a chance to watch the game because it was concurrent with uh, It was all, all about third and fourth down. They couldn't convert, man. Three yeah. of 20. I mean, that's just that's brutal. So, look, I, I expect Oklahoma to win. 13-point favorite, by the way, the Sooners are. Okay. I mm, I could go either way on that line. I think we're going to find out a lot about Oklahoma this weekend one way or another. And this is kind of the date that we've been circling for some time. right? It's kind of the early season litmus test for the Sooners. I don't think that's changed because I don't think that loss to Tulane changes Kansas State's identity as a football program. This is still going to be a very well-coached, fundamentally sound team with some offensive firepower and some outstanding talent at all levels of the defense. So I don't think anybody should be looking past this team just because they lost to Tulane. And in case anybody had forgotten this as well, Tulane gave Oklahoma all they could handle last year in the season opener. So that team just pulls one out every now and again. I don't know where it comes from, but they pull out – a phenomenal performance, and end up hanging with a team that, in terms of tangible ability and talent, they should not hang with. So I, I'm i not looking past this matchup against Kansas State. The Wildcats lost to Tulane does kind of take some of the prestige out of it. Uh, but I'm still expecting a good game, and I'm expecting a good fight from Kansas State. If the Sooners show up and they push around the Wildcats the way they just did against the Huskers? <laughs> oh. oh, we're going to be sitting here a week from now, Steely, and talking about what Oklahoma's playoff chances legitimately are. Yeah, it could be. All right, we're going to break right here, folks. It's good to have you with us. We've got one more segment to go. I want to thank our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV, plus a used vehicle. You can find them there at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. They're getting the very best, and they will give you the most for your trade-in, plus a great guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Steelman and Thune, well afternoon, taking you home right here for our final segment on the Home of Sooner Fans, The Ref. Okay, final segment, Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon. Well, afternoon here on the uh, home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. This weekend in the Big 12, Kansas State at Oklahoma, 7 p.m. on Fox. Our pregame show begins at 1 o'clock. Cowboys are off this weekend. They will play at Baylor next weekend. West Virginia, Virginia Tech will play a Thursday night 6.30 game on ESPN. Baylor at Iowa State, 11 a.m. on ESPN 2. Interesting. Iowa State starts out 3-0. Baylor's 2-1. TCU at SMU will be happening at 11 a.m. on ESPNU. Duke at Kansas, normally reserved for a great Final Four showdown. Instead, you've got two teams are 3-0. and oh. You have Duke, Kansas, Syracuse, 
UCLA, Indiana, and Kentucky, of course, at 3-0. and And Bob Stoops was in uh, Lexington over the weekend watching his brother Mark uh, be honored for becoming the winningest coach in Kentucky history. What an unbelievable job, again, by Mark Stoops. Texas at Texas Tech, 2.30 on ESPN. What do you think about the Horns in Lubbock this weekend? Six and it's a half, Texas, Texas six-and-a-half-point favorites. Six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Mm. Ooh. I guess it's not too late to change my upset pick because I could, I could see Tech pulling one over on the Longhorns. If you recall, the last time Texas went to Lubbock, it was that wacko 63-56 to 56 contest yeah, right. in 2020 where Texas Tech led by 15 points with two minutes remaining. They should have won the game, and yeah. somehow managed to blow it. Uh, but te- Texas just – they haven't impressed me. Man, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. They did impress me the way that they hung with Alabama, and I think that had more to do with – the level of Alabama's play than it did with the level of level of Texas's play because Alabama played the worst game I've seen them play in in 15 years of watching Alabama football. But the fact that they hung with the Crimson Tide on their home field there in Austin, I think it it it, it gave it gave me some belief that maybe just maybe with a healthy Quinn Ewers, this Texas team can make some noise in the Big 12. But they struggled with UTSA on Saturday. Man, they they eventually pulled away in the fourth quarter. But Texas Tech is a better program than UTSA. And they've got more horses than UTSA does. Yeah, Texas so, was down, I think it was 17-7, to 7, uh, like late in the second quarter or midway through the second quarter. Uh, UTSA had that 10-point lead. I don't know what to make of this football game. Because has Texas played a road game this year? Was UTSA a road game? Yeah, it was. No, they were, no, they were a DKR. Oh, were they? Yeah, they were a DKR. Okay. So they opened up. They have not played a road game then. So first road game of the year. Banged up a little bit. Although the word is Quinn Ewers is going to be back sooner than anybody anticipated. Yeah, it's looking that way. He was in shoulder pads, actually, the other night. So they played – didn't they play – Louisiana Monroe to start, yep. and then they played Bama, obviously, at home, and they played uh, UTSA at home. So this would be their can, first road game, yeah. If they can get past Texas Tech without Ewers, then I think there's going to start to be some momentum within that program. And you get Ewers back, heck, maybe you're in a position a couple weeks down the road to give Oklahoma a run for its money in the Cotton Bowl. And I do expect that to be a good game, regardless of who the starting quarterback for Texas is, because it's always a good game. It's been a one-score game every single year since 2014. So I don't think that come October 8th, the Sooners are going to run roughshod over Texas, whether it's Hudson Carter, whether it's Quinn Ewers. But I do think if Texas is going to seriously challenge Oklahoma on that day in the Cotton Bowl, and if they are going to start to cultivate some belief within that locker room that they can go deep in the Big 12, you got to win the games that you should win early in the season because that's where we've seen it come apart for Texas before. What game was it that they lost at the beginning at the beginning of last year? They they were 5 and 1, I think. 4 and 1. Well, they lost they lost to Arkansas. That's what it was. Yeah, they got drubbed by Arkansas. How about Arkansas? Bobby Petrino put a scare in the Razorbacks, man. 
Yeah. Put a little Man, scare we, in we the We know Razorbacks. so little about college football right now. That's the thing. Arkansas is a little banged up defensively. They're really good on offense. But, and they uh, go to College Station this weekend. That's right. Yeah, that game is a 6 o'clock game on ESPN. Much like the A&M Miami game, it's really not a matter of who wins that game. It's who loses it. Because Arkansas appears to be a flawed football team. Lord knows Texas A&M is a flawed football team. Arkansas does have a phenomenal running back, though, in Rocket Rocket, Sanders. Rocket, I love that. And uh, here is here's y'all's reminder that Mule Shoe and Alex Grinch recruited that guy to play linebacker at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Linebacker. Yeah, uh, this weekend nationally, Florida-Tennessee is the 2.30 CBS game. Uh, Arkansas at A&M, 6 o'clock on ESPN. you got Wisconsin at Ohio State, the primetime game on ABC. Pac-12 Network, 8.30. SC at Oregon State. Oregon State's 3-0. SC 3-0, obviously. Clemson at Wake Forest, 11 a.m. on ABC. Uh, Maryland at Michigan is the big noon kickoff game. Michigan looking pretty good, pretty, pretty good. That's the 11 a.m. big noon kickoff game again on Fox. Notre Dame at North Carolina is the uh, 2.30 game on ABC. Okay, got to get out of here. We got locked in coming up next. I'm sure more uh, conversation about Jordan Renaud making his decision, committing to Alabama this morning. Can the Sooners still really in, uh, you know, DJ Hicks to Celia Kana? Parker's talking about the uh, Caden McDonald kid as a possibility. What's up with Peyton Bowen, Ryan Yates? More on that coming up. And a lot more to talk about as the Sooners get ready to take on Kansas State Saturday night. Our pregame show begins at 1 o'clock down on Campus Corner at the uh, Hertz Donuts parking lot and at Balfour of Norman. Everybody have a great rest of your Monday. See you tomorrow at high noon.